Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. PTSD is something that um, police officers, law enforcement, first responders, they can stuff it, stuff it, stuff it, never really deal with the real issue. And then when something traumatic happens, whether it be a head-on collision or another event, um, that just forces everything to kind of bubble up to the top and over the top. Our guest on this edition of Life Support is Cindy Lannon. Cindy shares the story of the tragic loss of her law enforcement husband due to suicide, and as a former staff member of a large church, where she has been able to find hope in the midst of that suffering. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was a golden boy. All we can do right now is come together. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. The host for Life Support is Paul Johnson, lead pastor of Ridgewood Church in Minnetonka, Minnesota, who is able to share in the suffering of the Lannan family because of the loss of his own son to a homicide seven years ago. Here is Pastor Paul. So glad you're with us today on Life Support. As we tell stories, we want you to find a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ in the midst of your trauma and suffering. And another brave soul that's come here to tell her story today is Cindy Lannon. Cindy, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. It's really nice of you to come by. You were just telling me that you've been circling the globe (laughs) doing talk shows and so forth. I've been a few places trying to get the message out. Good for you. Thank you. Well, I know it's hard. You know, we're a a tough place to book into, so you're Mm -hmm. fortunate to be here with us. Yeah, thank you. I'm I'm very honored. I know you feel blessed. I'm very honored. Uh, Cindy, you have a a story that um, is difficult, and it's one that I know that you do desire to help people with, and it's your story. So why don't you just kind of give us a little bit of background and Mm -hmm. tell us what happened. Sure. Um, I was married to my husband, Jerry, for um, just about 20 years. Um, I met Jerry... um, when I worked at an elementary school, and Jerry was a um, deputy sheriff in our county, and he was new on the department, and I knew one of his coworkers because he did the D.A.R.E. program at our school. And so he actually introduced Jerry and I when Jerry started on their department. And um, we had a fun romance, and I actually had three daughters, who were still pretty young. I think they were like 9, 12, and 14 when Jerry came on scene. And Jerry didn't have any children of his own. So um, over time, boy, he just really took on my daughters as his daughters, and my daughters took on him as a wonderful stepfather. So they all had a great relationship with him also. And, um, you know, we had, I think, a typical marriage, um, our ups and our downs, but we had a lot of fun together. Uh, Jerry and I loved just to spend a lot of time together. Uh, I did some ride-alongs with Jerry periodically. Um, I actually, um, after I left the elementary school, eventually I became on staff. I came on staff at our church and um, I oversaw our addiction recovery ministry at our church for almost 10 years. Being in recovery myself for over 32 years now, I had a little bit of experience when they decided to implement that ministry, so um, volunteered, and then they actually hired me on staff eventually. So um, Jerry volunteered for me there, and 
I always say it was a really great thing for Jerry to volunteer at because in his job, he saw a lot of bad things, bad people, bad experiences. So volunteering with the addiction recovery ministry, he actually got to see that some of those people actually do turn their lives around. And it was a great experience for him, and he made some good friends. We both made good friends there. Um, Jerry, before he came up here to Minnesota, he was a police officer in Iowa for 11 years. So he had experience under his belt, and he had some traumatic things happen to him on the job, one of them being shot at um, when he walked out of his police department one afternoon in Iowa, and they never did catch the person that shot at him. Jerry hit the ground, and you know the bullet hit the wall right behind him. But um, So not knowing who did that ever um, was very traumatic for Jerry, and I don't think he ever did anything to deal with that with any professionals or anything. Um, so anyway, Jerry and I married, you know, had, had a great life together, but, um, eventually Jerry started showing signs of, well, he was diagnosed with PTSD and then some depression also, and, um, went to some counselors and that would help for a while, but then it seemed like it would kind of hit him again and check out a different counselor. They tried a variety of medications. Um, Nothing ever seemed to completely take care of it for him. Well, um, in September of 2018, uh, Jerry and I were going to one of our daughter's house one evening to see our grandchildren, and we got into a head-on collision on the way over there. Yeah, I was driving, and um, a young guy just came across the line right in front of us. Just, I mean, when they say it happens just like that, it happened just like that. No time to react at all. Um, I was actually physically injured more than Jerry was, but um, as I've talked to professionals since then, um, PTSD is something that... um, Police officers, law enforcement, first responders, they can stuff it, stuff it, stuff it, never really deal with the real issue. And then when something traumatic happens, whether it be a head-on collision or another event, um, that just forces everything to kind of bubble up to the top and over the top. Yeah, and it kind of makes ridiculous that idea, you know, on television or cop shows when they're getting shot at all the time and shooting Mm. at people and kind of laughing it off and going off to a party somewhere. Yeah. It's really big stuff. It is big stuff. And and I would say that that's kind of reality for them is they go to these calls and they don't deal with them. They go to the they hop back in their car. Well, let's say they go to an infant sudden death or they go to a suicide and they physically cut somebody down from a rope or you know go to a car accident and see bodies dismembered and tossed around the area and and they get back in their car and they get another call and they go to a domestic or yeah, they you know sure. go to a stolen bike or just and then they come home at night yeah and then the guys will laugh about it i mean and that's kind of how they deal with it in the moment is they find humor in it which is sick but that is what kind you of you have to do something with that right mm-hmm. 
and then they come home in the evening and sit around the dinner table with their family, and we're all talking about our silly days, and they're replaying all that stuff in the in their heads, and then go to bed at night and have nightmares, have dreams. Um, one time, Jerry woke up in the middle of the night, standing on the bed, punching the light fixture above the bed, and glass all over the place. And so, and that's what happens when you're when you don't get to deal with it properly and in a timely manner. You know, the family has to uh, take the brunt of that, or the wife for sure, right? Yeah, it's it's a journey being married to a police officer, or yeah. law enforcement officer, I would say. Um, but yeah, we had that head-on collision, and after that, everything changed for Jerry. He He just really became a different person that we hadn't seen before. And he knew it himself, too. He knew that he was struggling big time and bigger than he had. Um, A couple of things that he did after that accident, which were interesting, is, well, number one, he would never let us drive past the scene of the accident. If we went to my daughter's, we had to take a different Mm -hmm. route. He would say, "Don't, don't drive past the crash which I found so interesting. And then um, he would put his hands to his head and just kind of shake his head, and he'd say, oh, gosh. His nickname for me was Bunny. So he would say, oh, my gosh, Bunny, that was a horrible crash, wasn't it? I just can't get that sound out of my head. It won't go away. Um, Other times he would just put his his, his head in his hands again and just say, Um, you know, what's going on in my head? I don't understand that something's not right and it's getting worse and I can't can't understand what's happening. Why is this happening to me? And then another thing he did is um, never, and we live in the county that he worked in, and never ever did he say, you know, anything about ever moving out of the county. We love living in the county. And, um, but then after the crash, and Jerry was actually going to retire in just a few short months, about six months. And after the crash, he, he just kept telling me, you know what, as soon as I retire, we need to get out of this county because everywhere I go, I just see scenes over and over again that I've been to, which he had never said that before. So um, we tried finding Jerry some help, obviously. I was uh, very adamant about trying to get some help for him, and we kept falling through the cracks. Um, A few different treatment facilities that I contacted that claimed to deal with mental health issues, when I would call and talk to them, they would ask me if Jerry had a substance abuse issue, and I was very happy to say no. Um, But unfortunately, they would tell me that because he did not have a substance abuse issue, they could not help him. And so we were growing more and more frustrated. We did find another counselor to go to, and we went to meet with her a few times. Um, but it just wasn't helping. And Jerry and was growing more frustrated and more sick, and I was getting more desperate and feeling more despair just watching him suffer. I just He was really being tormented. We'll continue with Cindy Lannon's story in just a moment, a story that will resonate in the law enforcement world. This program is about finding hope in the midst of suffering. 
survivors having conversations with other survivors. Life Support is a co-production of Ridgewood Church and Five Stone Media. Here is Five Stone Media's Executive Director, Steve Johnson. At Five Stone Media, our mission is to use story to bring hope and healing to those in need of change. We invite you to check out Five Stone Media through our website at fivestonemedia.com or log on to our Facebook page. As Paul has mentioned, we are videotaping these radio shows and podcasts, and the video version of what you're listening to can be accessed through the website or the Five Stone Media Life Support YouTube channel. One day, one afternoon, uh, was shortly before Thanksgiving in November of 2018, he was just really out of sorts that day. And I walked into our bedroom and I saw him down on his knees looking in a cabinet that he that I had moved a, a handgun to. And I you know, I knew what he was doing and I I just had to confront him and I said, Jerry, I know what you're doing. I said, I know you're looking for a gun. I know you want to kill yourself today. And he, you know, kind of brushed it off and oh no, no, I'm just looking and stuff. And so I immediately just said to him, because Nobody at his department knew anything about Jerry's uh, mental health issues or PTSD mm. or depression. They, he was off work since we had the car accident, but they just thought he was off for physical reasons. Um, so I just looked at him and I said, I'm telling you what, right now, I said, I'm giving you a choice. You have a choice, but I have to make a very important decision right now. I said... I can either call 911 and all of your buddies are going to show up here and I know you're not going to like that or I will call your sergeant and tell him what's going on and he'll come over and help us and he was a good friend of Jerry's and a, a great guy and a Christian guy so I said you know you need to hand me your phone and I will call Sergeant Corey and ask him to come over because I know you don't want all your buddies flying up here with their lights and sirens on so eventually he did give me his phone and because I told him I'm I'm doing one of those I right. you I'm not yeah. kidding. Had to do something. Yeah. Right? And mm-hmm. and I I mean I was starting Jerry was never ever mean to me ever. Um but I was starting to feel nervous like sure. something's going to happen. So I was kind of shaking and and so he, I called his sergeant and when his sergeant answered the phone of course he thought it was Jerry calling and Jerry what's going on and I just burst out crying and I said this isn't Jerry it's Cindy I said but Jerry needs help and you need to come over here and he oh my gosh so he came over and he met with Jerry they walked outside for a little while and had a conversation and then they came in and and Corey said I'm going to take Jerry to the hospital and so he did take Jerry to the hospital, and oh, he well, he asked me, he said, do you want to take him or do you want me to take him? And I said, you need to take him. I can't take him to mm-hmm. the hospital like that. <sighs> so Corey took him to the hospital, and Jerry actually was in the hospital um, for a week. And, oh, that's one experience I want to I keep hoping and praying God will actually just eliminate that from my mind because that was an awful experience, awful. 
I just feel bad for anybody that has to spend time in one of those mental health areas. Yeah, we're not good at dealing with mental health. Oh, no. And even the mental health professionals, I respectfully say, aren't that great at mental health. Dealing with mental health, yeah. (laughs) I mean, well, it's so, there's so many dynamics to it, and it's so all over the place, and everybody's so unique. It's not like a broken arm or a broken leg. And they have rigid boxes people need to fit into, and it's just really, really difficult. And, And many times people that are struggling with one issue rub shoulders with people who are struggling with completely different issues and it's just a yeah. cycle a downward cycle yeah. cycle yeah it's horrible mm-hmm. so jerry um got out of the hospital on wednesday the day before thanksgiving and i was so thrilled to get him out of that hospital but i mean obviously i wanted him to get help and we knew i knew that wasn't the end of the road i knew we had a marathon ahead of us but was hopeful that we would they were going to help us find something um so yeah the day before thanksgiving he got out of the hospital we went to my cousins for thanksgiving with family and it was a horrible day for him he was so out of sorts and trying to fit in but oh he it was terrible um so we went through the weekend after Thanksgiving on Sunday. Jerry was up on the roof cleaning out the gutters. He was working out in the yard. I just so happened to make his favorite dinner that night, meatloaf. And, um, and yeah, it was kind of, you know, you're, you're trying to have a normal life. But yeah. You know that it's You know you it's know. not normal, but Ugh. it feels good to have... Some normalcy, right? At least a glimpse of it, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so Monday morning, I got up and um, I had a chiropractor appointment that morning. I was out in the living room, sitting on the couch, actually reading my Bible, and I heard Jerry's alarm go off. It was time for me to go to the chiropractor, so I went into the bedroom to grab my shoes, and he kind of sat up in bed and he said, "Oh," he said, "I." My alarm keeps going off, but I, I just can't get up this morning. And I said, well, why don't you get up and come with me? Come with me to the chiropractor and we'll just you know go for a ride with me. And he said, no, I'm just going to lay here and listen to a podcast this morning for a little bit. And I said, okay. And he said, I, I need some alone time with God this morning. Well, who can argue that, right? So, so I said, well, I'll be back in just a little while. Um, we're in Stillwater. I drove to Hudson to go to the chiropractor. And I had actually found one more, like a hunting rifle, in the downstairs underneath a crawl space area. So I had, I took that with me, and I called my brother, and I said, you know, I found one more gun. Can I drop it off after the chiropractor? And he said, yeah. So went to the chiropractor, went to my brother's, dropped that gun off, and then when I got home, um, I, when I walked in the front door, right away I recognized that Jerry's shoes were not by the front door. And that kind of made me realize how, how, what a high alert level I had been on. I mean, who notices if their husband's shoes aren't by the front door? Well, but you're I grabbing guns before you go places. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, that must have been very <sighs> traumatic. Very so right away I recognized that his shoes were not by the front door and my heart kind of sank and 
And I thought, what the heck, where's he? So I, you know, hollered for him and hollered for him, no answer. So I walked downstairs and looked around, and he wasn't there. And I was kind of afraid or nervous to walk up into our bedroom, but I did. And and typically Jerry would make the bed when he got out of bed, but when I walked in there, the bed wasn't made, and he had taken his cell phone and kind of propped it up in front of his pillow, like, here's my phone. And I just uh, thought, you know, it's, it's sinking feeling. It's sinking feeling, but you just think, no, yeah, no way, no, right. but a sinking feeling. And because I had thought I had taken all the guns out of our house, um, we have a big wooded backyard, and so I walked over by the kitchen window, and I was kind of, you know, wanted to look out there, but I didn't. I want to. I was nervous, but. So then I called my brother, and I said, I just got home, and Jerry's not here. His shoes are missing by the door. And my brother said, do you want me to come over and help you look for him? And I said, yes, because I said, I'm afraid to go outside and look. I don't want to go look in his truck. I don't want to go look in the shed. Uh, We live on a lake, and we have a little... Well, we call I call it our beach house. It's a little shack down the, by the lake that we hang out in, and I didn't want to go down there and look. And so my brother came over, and he walked outside and checked all those places and came back in the house, and he said, I, I don't see him anywhere. And we have a trail system behind our house that goes, I don't know, two or three miles, I suppose, three probably. And I said, well, the only other thing I can think of is maybe you know, walk up the trail a little bit and see if if you see him anywhere. So my poor brother started walking up the trail, and um, he walked for qu- quite a ways, and, and I started texting my best friend, and I said, oh, my gosh, Jerry, I just got home, and Jerry's not home, and Craig's here looking for him. And, you know, right away she was panicking, yeah. you know, because she had known what was going on. Mm-hmm. And, and my brother didn't come back and he didn't come back and he didn't come back and and so finally I called him and he answered his phone and he was just huffing and puffing and out of breath and and I said nothing yet and he said no no nothing yet and stay in the house don't go anywhere just stay there in case he comes back and I I said okay I will and so I was waiting and waiting and um and I don't know how many minutes passed but all of a sudden, I we live on a little private dead-end road, but I saw a squad car coming down our road, and I thought, oh, Craig called the deputies to help him look for Jerry. And then the squad pulled up in my driveway, and I was walking out the front door, and I saw my brother was sitting in the passenger seat of the squad car, and then in, the driver was um, one of Jerry's very good friends, another sergeant, and I walked out, and they both jumped out of the car real quick, and I just looked at Lonnie, Sergeant Lonnie, and and I said, did you find him? And he just dropped his head and kind of nodded his head up and down, and uh, I just started screaming, and Mm -hmm. oh, not my Jerry, not my Jerry, no. And they brought me in the house, and yeah, Jerry had walked back on the trail, and I don't know, I think he had a gun in the garage probably to shoot mm-hmm. squirrels or <laughs> rabbits yeah. or something. But right. 
So, yes, he had walked quite a ways back on that trail and um, taken his own life. Um, so my brother was panicking when I called him because he had to cross another road to keep going on that trail. And when he found Jerry, my brother didn't know what road he was on. Oh, I see. So he was running up, and he was called 911, but he was telling them, do not come with the sirens on. My sister doesn't know what happened yet, and she's in the house, and if she hears the sirens, she's going to come out here. And he was so nervous they were going to do that. And he was running up and down the street, tearing open mailboxes, trying to find a piece of mail with the name of the street yeah. on it, and he couldn't find one. And so he finally ran up to somebody's door, and it was a poor elderly couple, and he shoved the phone in the lady's face and said, this is 911, tell them your address. And and so she did, and um, they all came. But um, I'm so sorry. You yeah. know, when we come back next week, Cindy, I yeah. want to talk to you about, of course, the aftermath, but your experience on a church staff, mm-hmm. how this relates to police officers. Yep. A lot more I want to delve into. And sure. We're going to do that with Cindy Land. Thanks for being with us today. Remember that God is watching over these kinds of situations. The Bible is very clear. On that, there are trials in life, but Jesus is there with us. In James 1.12, the Bible says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, the person will receive the crown of life the Lord has promised to those who love him. And so there is a purpose in suffering. It's not in vain. I want to thank our partners that make this show possible. I want to thank Faith Radio, Five Stone Media. You can catch us here at Ridgewood Church at myrwc.org slash life support, or you can go on Five Stone Media's website to see this on video at fivestonemedia.com, and, and check me out on Twitter at Pastor Paul J. And we'll catch you next time on Life Support. Thanks for listening to this Life Support Podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at myfaithradio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Life Support, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of Life Support.